Welcome to Teaching Takeaways. I'm your host, Amanda. In this podcast, I will share favorite tools, strategies, and thoughts on all things education. If you have any connection to the education field and want to finesse your craft, this is the space to hang out and grab a piece of instant relevance. A takeaway you can apply to your classroom the very same day. Hi guys, I am back. After a two-month hiatus, I am so very sorry about that. As most of you know, if you've been listening for a little bit now, I recently accepted a teaching position back in the classroom, which I was super pumped about. It was one of those things that just kind of happened. I wasn't really planning to teach full-time this year. I was just kind of seeing what was out there, and then one thing led to another, and here we are in week six of hybrid teaching. So, not sure what you guys are doing out there. I know a lot of states are still 100% virtual. Some states are um, hybrid, like we are here in North Carolina, And some areas are actually in the classroom five days a week. And I know that varies depending on what type of school you're at and what part of the country. So my experiences for the podcast right now are through the lens of a hybrid fifth grade teacher. So I'm super excited to go on this journey with you guys and get back to the weekly episodes on all things relevant as far as that goes. And if you hear anything in the background, I'm also Pelotoning while podcasting because you guys, it is so hard to do it all right now. But like I said, I don't know in the first few episodes or maybe I say it all the time, teaching is my calling. It's my passion. It's what I love. Fitness, I love being a mom, the wife and friends. I love So trying, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. So trying to put it all together is sometimes challenging, but I think I'm in a good rhythm now to bring this to you live every Tuesday like I did back in season one. So that being said, I want to share today five thoughts on hybrid teaching. And within those thoughts, what I want to talk about are five things that I think are super helpful tools, strategies, um, resources that I have found really helpful transitioning back into the classroom in a hybrid environment. So when I say hybrid, I mean I have two cohorts of students. Cohort one or A is what I call them. They're online Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's how they start their school week. Online, on Mondays and Tuesdays, it's asynchronous learning. On Wednesdays, it is synchronous teaching. And then they're in the classroom on Thursday and Friday. And cohort B, they start the week in the classroom on Monday and Tuesday. They do synchronous uh, learning and teaching on Wednesday and asynchronous on Thursday, Friday. So that's the lens that I want to look through right now, and it all changes again on October 5th, which I believe is a Monday. 
Now, on, whew, it's the end of the day. On October 5th, all of my students joined me back in the classroom for the very first time since North Carolina sent everybody home in March. I'm super geeked up and ready for that day so that we can all be together. We'll get back to that later. Let's go ahead and get started with five ideas that I have found helpful as a hybrid upper elementary fifth grade teacher to get this school year started. Resource number one that has been helpful in the hybrid environment, I talked about a few episodes back, which is the Differentiated Flipped Classroom. That book is a must read if you are teaching really in any environment. So to give you a quick rundown, the Flipped Classroom, if you're not familiar with it, is a model where students get new content at home and the material is clarified and extended upon when they come to the classroom. So that being said, the first three weeks of hybrid teaching, I couldn't do it. I couldn't wrap my brain around how to make that a reality. I knew I wanted to do it, but gosh, there's so much that you do at the beginning of school year, no matter what. And then you mix in a totally different way of doing school altogether in a world pandemic. And it was just a lot. So lots of um, doodling on whiteboards and brainstorming with colleagues to make this work. But after week three, week four, I nailed it. And so I want to tell you the easiest thing that I found in my experiences with flipping the classroom. So first off, I was bored. I could not be a teacher that teaches the same thing all day long, every day. That's not my personality. I know lots of fabulous teachers that teach, you know, in a departmentalized structure. They teach at a middle school or high school, and they are fantastic at their job. That setup is not my personality, so I needed a change, which is where the book comes in. And... I was getting bored and that was really hard to want to come to work when it's already crazy time and then do the same thing over and over again. So with a flipped classroom, I started with the week of Labor Day because we already had, that's my little guy in the background. So this is real life, right? Pellis hunting, three-year-olds here and I'm podcasting, but bear with me here. Um... So the week I started was Labor Day week because I already had a group that wasn't going to be at school one of the hybrid days. So I'm like, that's the perfect time to do this. So I picked areas in each subject that were nice to know for one group, but not critical for the other group. And that was where I launched flipping my classroom and keeping my students moving forward where I wasn't teaching the same thing eight times a week but it was like for me I was able to teach back to business a different lesson every 
So teaching eight lessons a week is not my jam. And so the week of Labor Day was actually really helpful to do a flip. So I started small at first. I wanted to see what could my students do. But I really firmly believe in keeping expectations high, setting um, firm boundaries, and I think students rise to those expectations. I think people in general rise to those expectations. You just can't waver from them. So that's what I did. So I started small. So in ELA, I started with cursive and flipping the order as uh, what my students would see. So it would be different when they were in class versus at home. And I made videos, um, created a YouTube channel. It's not exciting. It's definitely a business channel to just address the nuts and bolts of what's happening in my classroom. But I created that for my students with cursive first. And I wanted to see how they could handle that. And I also mixed in grammar And I wanted to see what they could do with grammar and cursive. Two small areas of ELA to flip to see how they were doing. And then in science, I started with the next topic. And we were doing uh, matter, states of matter, and heat transfer. And I guess that's it for that. So in science, I started with a really cool PowerPoint that I found online that met the objectives that I wanted to do and a song, a Mr. Parr song, because I love teaching with music. And I front-loaded the information to my students in one cohort, cohort B, the one that starts the week online, and was able to clarify it on the back end of the week while reviewing old content with the group that starts at school. And then they were getting new information. And then I was expanding, extending, clarifying from the other end. So I started with two small pieces in ELA and then one whole subject, science, when it was a logical time and we were switching gears within the unit. And my students arrived. Now there was a couple like hiccups along the way, Miss Hellman, I don't understand this, or this is really hard, but I didn't back down. I was like, guys, you can do hard things. I have that at the front of my classroom if there's such thing as a front. That reminds them every day, you can do the hard stuff and I'm never going to set you up for failure. So between launching new content In a very simple matter, simple is key. Cutesy is what I wanted, but cutesy doesn't work when you have new content, especially during this time where children are already stressed, they don't really wanna be at home because their parents are yelling at them about school. All the students really wanna do is do their best. They want everybody to be happy. They wanna learn, they wanna be at school with their friends. And so, Um, that's what is important. And so they can do those things and they want to be back at school business as usual. And I'm sorry that you hear Garrett in the background. As soon as I turn this back on, of course, it's time for that. But anyway, they want it to make sense. So cutesy is busy and it's fun for us to create. 
But when we're not with the kids, we don't know what their home life is like. We don't know if moms or dads are even home for that matter. I mean, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And if they're on conference calls or what their patience level is or if there's other siblings in the house. So the more streamlined and simple you can make something and flip it, the better off you're going to be. So your takeaway is that simple is better. Use the differentiated flipped classroom. Pick a week that you can do the flip. Give content at home that is new so that you can extend it at school. So in science, what that looks like is we were doing the labs at school, but the notes at home. So they had all these notes. So like, hmm, I'm not really sure what to do with this. But Miss Hallman says that I need to do it, so I'm going to. And then when they get to school, we take those notes and we bring them to real life. And so flipping it and staggering it is an easy way to keep you engaged, keep everything simple for your students, keeps peace in their homes. It gives them the sense of feeling successful. They can do things, right? And it lightens your workload because you're not spending all your time doing everything, Casey. Because at the end of the day, when they're 30 years old, they're not going to be like, man, my teacher had a really cool Bitmoji classroom and made her Bitmoji talk on the slides. They're going to think about this time and be like, man, my teacher um, really cared about me. She taught me lots of good stuff. And it was really weird going to school with masks on or going anywhere with masks on. So think about that when you're planning your stuff. Keep it simple. Flip it for your sanity and for the benefit of your students because it's hard to get a whole school year worth of content in if you only see your kids virtually or you only see them, like my school, in a hybrid model where I only see them in real life two days a week right now. So your takeaway from resource one, purchase or check out the differentiated flipped classroom book. Keep it simple. Not cutesy. Save the cutesy for later on in the year or something less critical. And flip your students and stagger them so that you're engaged, they're engaged, and you're getting through more content and creating connections um, during this time. Resource number two is another book. I know I'm always talking to you guys about books, but what people will tell you about me is I believe books um, are helpful for anything and everything. If you name a topic, I can probably help you find a book about it to convey a message, teach a concept, whatever. I love books. So resource number two I found on Amazon this summer. It's called The Curious Classroom by Harvey Smokey Daniels. It's on Amazon. It's $25 online, $25.45, looking at it right now. And how I use this book in a hybrid model, which you could also do virtually as well as on campus, is I use it for morning meetings. So, you know, the morning meeting, there's a greeting and there's a share and there's an activity and a message. So the share part is where the curious classroom comes into place. So I have a theme for each day because remember earlier I said, keep it simple because you guys deserve a break too. 
And um, the teaching job's never done. So we just have to decide where that hard line in the sand is, draw it, and stick with it. So from the book, the first takeaway I have is using it in morning meetings, and they're themed. So Mondays is the weekend wrap-up, where after kids do their greeting, they're within their greeting, they're talking about what they did over the weekend. So Mondays is always a weekend wrap-up, whether it's virtually or in the classroom. Tuesdays, we do Today in History because I think it's really cool to teach kiddos about history. The resource I use is history.com, and I just scroll it for the day and find something that I think the kids would find interesting that is not political or controversial whatsoever because we don't need any more emails than we're already getting, right? And then I share it with the kids on my Apple TV And then I tell them, okay, guys, if I call on you later on the day and you can tell me what happened today in history, I will give your house so many points. So they're so motivated, they're very active, and they're listening because they want to do well and earn house points. And that's another thing I started this year, but a conversation for another day. On Wednesdays, everybody is virtual. So morning meeting is held virtually. And with the Curious Classroom, I do Wonderopolis Wednesdays. And I pick the article. I have my students go into breakout rooms by their houses. They talk about it for about three minutes. And then we bring them back from the breakout room. They share out and and we move on. So that's our activity. So for example, the Wonderopolis Wednesday I did last week was all about clickbait because I figured while they're at home, right, they're on the internet a lot more. So we want to teach our kiddos good digital citizenship skills. So why not do it with some Wonderopolis articles that help kiddos understand in kid-friendly language? And they get to talk about it. It's They pull it up on their screen. It's really neat to watch. The one I did before that, two weeks ago, was on contact tracing because if there's a pandemic happening and that's all people hear and talk about and things are just totally different for your students, why not connect it to science? Why teach at a science school, a STEM school? And we're talking about contact tracing, but in the Wonderopolis episode article, I don't know why I said episode, my brain started. They talk about the scientists that studies viruses, right? But they don't name it. So again, there's a challenge every Wednesday for house points virtually. Say, hey guys, whoever can tell me what the name of the scientist is that does the contact tracing, that studies how viruses spread, can earn house points. Man, they get jacked up because they want to learn more. And by the way, it's an epidemiologist. And that's a mouthful and I had to practice saying it, but it's really interesting And um, then we tie it back into the STEM part of our school and we discuss what kind of schooling one would need to take, what you could do with that, why it is important. So again, pulling in different parts of what we do at school, using it to capture students' natural curiosity and tying it into the morning meeting because we are a responsive classroom school. So that's Wednesdays. Thursday, because I like to mix in more history, We do this day in history. So Tuesday is today in history. Thursday is this day in history. 
And it's the same format as Tuesday, but with my other cohort. So they have an opportunity to do work for their house. And then on Fridays, we do Friday feels. And people are talking about what they're feeling good about going into the weekend, how they're doing with school. And um, it's really neat to hear what they have. So both ends of the group get to talk about something outside of school and morning meeting. Those ideas came from the Curious Classroom. There's so much more good content. I will circle back to it later on to tell you other ways to use his book in your classroom to encourage the natural curiosity of children. Resource number three, if you haven't heard of it, is called Six Minutes. It's a podcast for children by Gen Z Media. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I use it in the classroom every day for two to three six-minute episodes during our quiet time. So our classroom has lunch and then quiet time. Our recess is actually in the morning and our enhancements are at the end of the day. So quiet time kind of allows the kiddos about 20 or so minutes to transition from lunch to the rest of their day and recharge. <clears throat> this episode uh, podcast series was brought to me by one of my colleagues who has used it and she swore, she swore by it. So I tried it because again, going back to the classroom, we have a lot of valuable resources where we work, right? We just need to get outside of our four walls and see what others are up to. I really believe in not viewing other teachers as competition, but as gems in a gold mine to tap into their knowledge and their passion and bring some of their goodness to my classroom. So again, we're always together better. But back to six minutes. So reading the description from Gen Z Media to give you I run down quickly on what it is, is it says 11-year-old Holiday, which is the girl, one of the girl main characters, is pulled from the icy waters of Alaska with no memory of who she is or where she came from. Are her mom and dad really who they say they are? When she begins to develop incredible abilities, she'll soon discover she's not alone in this world. You guys, if you have not started this in your classroom, for an either end of day wrap up, a beginning of the day, you know, it could be part of your morning meeting, right? It could be an activity. I wouldn't do it in every morning meeting if that's where you decide to plug it in, but I'm sure there's a part of your day that you can plug it in and in the upper elementary grades, middle school grades, the kids will be obsessed. As an ELA uh, teacher, it's not the only thing I teach, but that's the focus that I work on within my building and my grade level, it's really good to teach visualization, right? Because there's no screens. They're just listening to it and relaxing and just getting their thoughts on what do they think these characters look like? What does their setting look like? We know they're in Alaska, but that's it. So you could tie in an ELA component if you want to mix it into your ELA block. You could do inferring skills with it, but Again, not everything has to be teachable. Sometimes kids can just enjoy something without an educational component in the mix. So resource number three to recap, 
Six Minutes. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's super awesome. There's 100-something episodes, and you will not be sorry. If you have not tried it, check it out with your classroom. And this can be done virtually on campus or a hybrid model. Resource number four is again focused on the kiddos and it's something that evolved with one of my cohorts very organically and um, has taken off to a couple of classrooms and it's so much fun. And what it is, is creating a game show in your classroom. And this again can be done in a Zoom meeting, it can be done face to face, it can be done if you're doing a hybrid model and you have desks six feet apart and you only see them a couple days a week. But what it is, is turning the most mundane things like sharing out content, you know, as far as what was your answer for this or who can give me an example of that. Whatever kids are sharing that is usually an opportunity for sidebar conversation and kids to check out, you turn it into a very simple game show. So how do you do it, you ask? Perfect. So here's what I did. I really wanted to stage my classroom this year, and my husband's like, not happening, not during the pandemic. You don't have room for that. We're too busy. No, 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 no. So what did I do? I sweet-talked the custodians into taking the table legs out of one of my rectangular tables, went to Party City, cut a uh, table skirt in half, right? And I has a stickiness on it, and I stuck it around this table that no longer had legs. Got a strobe light on Amazon for like 10 bucks, a microphone for 30, but you don't even need a real microphone. The microphone itself just makes it more fun. And I turned this table that was gonna be in my way into a stage that we have fun on every single day. So the game show we called is called share your answer and i went on youtube and found price is right game show music right and i can control it with the apple tv i use wheel of names i put my students for the class for the day on wheel of names they see their name we click spin it right and it does the confetti pop and tells us who this student is that's going to come to the stage they run up with whatever their work product is so they're still six feet apart from everybody else the Price is Right music is playing in the background. I'm standing on the stage, strobe lights are going with a microphone and a mask on, and I extend my arm out to the student, and the kids, they get quiet, and the person that was on the Wheel of Names shares their answer, and the class cheers. And the kids feel successful. Whether their answer is right or wrong, I don't say, and share your answer, I you know, we'll talk to them another time or write it in one of their journal entries. But during that moment of time, we're building confidence, we're getting ideas from other kids, and we're taking a very mundane, non-exciting something and making it pumped. And so how I started is I, I pretend like I am the host of Share Your Answer. And I say, welcome guys to a another episode of and then I point at my class and in the crowd they're like share your answer and they're cheering and the price is right music's going on and when I'm done you know with the wheel of names and calling on three or four students to share their answer 
Then I close out the share your answer back on the microphone with my class. And I'm like, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of, and then my class goes, share your answer. And it's the craziest thing. It's like a 10 minute routine that they are pumped about. And you can do this online too, right? In the gallery, they can share and you can hold up a stage microphone that you can get for like $5. It doesn't even have to be real. It's all about taking not so exciting content and making it super exciting for kids because that's why we're all here. And I highly, highly recommend it. You can get as elaborate and fancy as you want. But again, we talked about this in resource one. Keep it simple. Your time is valuable. There's a lot to do depending on especially what kind of teaching model you're using And you all have other things that you like to do besides be a teacher and you want to have time for that and sleep and exercise and whatever. So turning off classroom lights, putting on YouTube, Price is Right music and getting a $2 table skirt from Party City with a pretend microphone or even a real one. It's crazy the excitement and engagement that happens in your classroom. So that is resource number four to recap. Simple stage, doesn't have to be a stage if you don't have one and you're not allowed to stand on tables, you know, do you? But simple space that you can make the stage, if you will. An inexpensive or pretend microphone. Price is right on YouTube as background music. And Wheel of Names, the app, or on the TV screen to pick your contestants. It's all you need to promote engagement and student buy-in to whatever you're doing. So definitely try it out. My final resource in this episode, resource number five, is focused on the parents, right? Because learning is a three-way partnership. Teacher, parent, child and we all have to work together we have to communicate well and again going back to keeping it simple we need to take care of those parents who are super stressed right now with how their bills are going to get paid who's covering the kids when they go to work are their kids unattended what about those conference calls and holy moly i have to be my kid's teacher two three or five days a week they didn't sign up for any of that so we need to help make their lives easy so that the kids lives are easy and all is right in the world during this very uncertain time so that being said the resource the last one i want to share with you today is focused on the parents and it's using google slides to create a very simple infographic to communicate your classroom information So parents are really busy and more times than not, we can find the cutest something on Teachers Pay Teachers newsletter wise to present information to our parents. And we work really hard on it. It's beautiful. It's thorough. And then nobody reads it. So we have now wasted our time, our money, and we've hit frustration because we're communicating and nobody's getting our message. So my solution for that is to use Google Slides and you know that you can adjust the format, the page setup. So you can put in eight and a half by 11 format, which is what I have done. And I made a table, right? So it's two columns 
And it is, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rows. So two columns, seven rows, and very clean letters. It says Hallman Happenings and the date. On the left side, the first column, it has a small picture of whatever the next box is going to tell us because parents don't have time to read a whole bunch of stuff. And so we want it to be streamlined for them. So looking at mine right now, the first box I have is remote learning with a quick image from Google. The next box is Zoom. Then it's morning meeting. Then it's English language arts. Then it's math, followed by science, followed by social studies. So they have small little pictures and I'll link this on the website for you in the first column to kind of work through our day. The second column is literally bulleted points. So for example, on my Zoom link, it says Wednesdays only. All links to Zoom are on Canvas. Morning meeting, 8, ELA, 9.30. Math with my colleague, 10.30. That's it. That's all the parents need to know. How's my kid getting on Zoom? What time do they need to be there? They don't need the fluff, the standards, whatever, because they don't care. We care. That's something that it's our passion and what we do. Parents don't care. And if they have more than one kid, they really don't care. Morning meeting. All I put are the themes for each day, which I already told you. Mondays, we can wrap up. Tuesdays, Today in History. Wednesdays, Wonderopolis Wednesdays. Thursdays, This Day in History. Friday, Friday Feels. English language arts. I start with students will. And then I bullet a few things like begin opinion writing, continue cursive. And I write the letter list like NMVX. Review adjectives. Continue reading Fish in a Tree, which is our novel study I work on. If there's a quiz or a test, I highlight it in that bullet also, but I keep it at five or less bullets. Math, same thing. Students will. Build multiplication math fluency. Continue to explore volume. And then I have my counterpart's um, contact information in a hyperlink so they can just click it so they have what they need. Science is the same way. Social studies is the same way. So very, very simple. Bulleted list, quick image, moving on. I've gotten so many compliments on this and feedback that's positive for my parents because they don't have time to read. They don't have time to read a five-paragraph essay. Sorry, that is my son. It's the end of the night. So they want less is more. You want your time back. It's a win for everybody. Go to Google Slides, create a very simple infographic, and that's all you need to do to make a newsletter. It doesn't have to be long and labor-intensive. I will link my template if you want it. It's yours. Make it, just click make a copy. Just click make a copy, and then you can just plug in the information you want or you're definitely able to look at it and get some inspiration for something that you want to do. So if we have happy parents, happy kiddos, happy teachers, all is right in the world. So there's a lot we cannot control, but we can control our use of time. Today's tip of the week comes from 
experiences during this hybrid teaching model, and that is using Google Voice to get a phone number to call parents from my phone. So in this uncertain time, there's a lot of questions and emails can fly and it gets really busy. So sometimes it's just easier to contact parents and address any questions they might be having or any concerns they may have. And you do not want your families to have your personal phone number. Because again, remember, we have to have boundaries. So I recommend downloading Google Voice and getting yourself a phone number. And the beauty is, is you put in your regular phone number and it gives you options for phone numbers in your area. So for me, living where I live in North Carolina, the surrounding town's numbers are full. But they have a Chapel Hill area phone number. So I was able to secure a Chapel Hill number that masks my phone number when I contact parents. And the beauty is they think they have your phone number and they can call you back. But what happens is your phone rings and you have an option. If you think back to the days of collect calls a million moons ago, it kind of sounds like that. It says you have an incoming call from, and they say their name. So Mrs. Sally, to accept, press one. To send a voicemail, press two. So if you're busy and you wanna send a voicemail, you can, and you get a an email telling you what the voicemail says, um, transcribed for you, which is awesome. Or if you wanna talk to them, you know who's calling you, and you push the button and you say, hi, this is me and Hallman, how can I help you? Or whatever, and um, they feel like they have access to you, but you can control that access without giving away your phone number. So I wanted to start this season with a tip of the week. I got the idea from Casey Bell and her podcast, Shake Up Learning. I love it, I love her book. And um, you guys know that I'm always reading and learning from other educators because I really believe together we are better. So there is your tip of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It feels great to be back and I'm excited about all that season two has to offer. I appreciate all of the messages and reaching out on Instagram as well as Twitter, asking, you know, where I am, what's going on. I'm definitely back. I just needed to figure out what this looks like teaching full-time again and teaching full-time in a way that's never been taught. So thank you guys for being awesome and for giving me inspiration to bring good content, relevant content that you can use in your classroom the very same day. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be back next time to continue the conversation with more easy-to-use, mostly free resources to help make your life easy, your lessons engaging, and your students excited as well as you excited about learning. And remember, if there's ever a topic you would like more information on or want more ideas from a previous podcast, just message me on Instagram at Teaching Takeaways, on Twitter 
at Amanda Hallman, or you can definitely email teachingtakeaways at gmail.com. And thank you again for listening and for grabbing a piece of instant relevance, a teaching takeaway to use in your classroom the very same day. See you next time for a new teaching takeaway. You got this, guys.